Good morning. Today we begin our study of Lehi's dream. You remember it? He saw several things, a dark and dreary wilderness, a dirty river, a large and spacious building, mists of darkness, the tree of life, the fruit of the tree, the iron rod. This dream is rich in symbols and has so many great messages for us. Perhaps that's why we get to study it twice. If you think about it, Lehi first has the dream or vision, tells his family about it in great detail. And Nephi, who wants to know more and wants to see what his father saw, prays over it and is given the same vision, only he has an angel that kind of guides him through it. So we get a lot more explanations to the symbols <coughs> in the dream from that experience, and that's going to be next week. So instead of Lehi's dream, I want you to think about this vision as the test of life. At the end of today's discussion, I'm going to ask you what you think the test of life is. So listen for that. And when we look at all the elements in the vision, what do you think the central feature is? Elder Bednar said the central feature in Lehi's dream is the tree of life, a representation of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thus, the birth, life, and atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ are the greatest manifestations of God's love for his children. <laughs> as Nephi testified, this love is most desirable above all things, and as the angel in his vision declared, most joyous to the soul. So would you agree that the tree of life then represents Jesus Christ? his birth, his life, his atoning sacrifice, isn't that the very essence of the love of God? The fruit of the tree is connected to the tree. So what would the fruit be? Elder Bednar taught the fruit on the tree is a symbol for the blessings of the atonement. Partaking of the fruit of the tree represents the receiving of ordinances and covenants whereby the atonement can become fully efficacious in our lives. The fruit is described as desirable to make one happy and produces great joy and the desire to share that joy with others. Now here's the thought question. Is it enough to go through the checklist of ordinances and covenants? Is that where the great joy is produced? Can it be produced without the ordinances and the covenants? It cannot. Those are necessary, but not enough. The ordinances and covenants are designed to bring you into a relationship with Christ. The fruit isn't something you get at the end of life. It's the relationship you build with Christ that brings that fruit that is desirable to make one happy, producing great joy in our lives. And notice in the dream, for every negative influence, there's a positive to counteract it. And the people always have 
the choice to choose, the tree or the spacious building, the path or the river or forbidden paths, the iron rod or the mists of darkness. Each place along the way in the dream has a place of safety from the Lord. <clears throat> there are four groups of people in the dream. The first group, they wander off and are lost, and there's no mention at all of the iron rod. The second group, they make it to the tree, they partake of the fruit, but they look at the people mocking them from the building, and they drop the fruit and fall away. They were clinging to the iron rod, and, but, and that's how they made it to the tree. The next group, these people were continually holding to the rod of iron. They made it to the tree and partook of the fruit. Note, they fell down at the tree and ate the fruit. And then the last group, these people, they just wanted the building. There's no mention of the iron rod. They simply wanted the building. So let's examine the second and third group the two groups that both made it to the tree. They were both either clinging to the iron rod or were continually holding to the iron rod. And there might be a difference between clinging to it and holding continually to it. But still, they had the iron rod and that's what brought them to the tree. So why did one group fall away? There's a few things to consider. The group that fell away, they cared about what others thought of them. Elder Bednar said, It is significant that the second group pressed forward with faith and commitment. They also had the added blessing of the iron rod and were clinging to it. However, as they were confronted with persecution and adversity, they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. Even with faith, commitment, and the word of God, this group eventually was lost. Then President Benson taught, The proud stand more in fear of men's judgment than of God's judgment. What will men think of me weighs heavier than what will God think of me? When pride has a hold on our hearts, we lose our independence of the world and deliver our freedoms to the bondage of men's judgment. The world shouts louder than the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. The reasoning of men overrides the revelations of God, and the proud let go of the iron rod. Pride affects all of us at various times and in various degrees. Now you can see why the building in Lehi's dream that represents the pride of the world was large and spacious and great, was the multitude that entered into it. Pride is the universal sin, the great vice. Yes, pride is the universal sin, the great vice. The antidote for pride is humility, meekness, submissiveness. It is the broken heart and the contrite spirit. So let me ask you this. If the scriptures had brought that group into a relationship with Christ. And I'm talking about the group that fell away. If they, when they saw him, had emotions of love, respect, and gratitude, and humility, would they not fall at his feet and worship him? Would they care 
if others mocked or made fun of them because they loved the Savior? It is what developed on the inside of these two groups of people that made the difference. One group, when they reached the tree, the Savior, fell down and partook of the fruit. The other group was concerned with those in the building and what they thought. We can go through all the routines of discipleship, scripture study, prayer, church attendance, temple attendance, but if the relationship with the Savior isn't developed, we are in danger of falling away. There's a difference between partaking of the fruit and worshiping at his feet. Our focus needs to be on relationship over routine. In Lehi's dream, the building is off to the side. People look over at it or travel to it. But Elder Packer taught in today's world, the building is actually on the path and we are in it. He teaches us a lot about this vision. Let's, let's look at some of the things he, he taught. He said, you too live in a time of war, the spiritual war that will never end. War itself now dominates the affairs of mankind. Your world at war has lost its innocence. There is nothing, however crude or unworthy, that is not deemed accept acceptable for movies or plays or music or conversation. The world seems to be turned upside down. Formality, respect for authority, dignity, and nobility are mocked. Modesty and neatness yield to slouchiness and shabbiness in dress and grooming. The rules of honesty and integrity and basic morality are now ignored. Conversation is laced with profanity. You see that in art and literature and drama, entertainment. Instead of being refined, they become coarse. You have decisions almost every day as to whether you will follow those trends. You have many tests ahead. One word in this dream or vision should have special meaning to you, young Latter-day Saints. The word is after. It was after the people had found the tree that they became ashamed, and because of the mockery of the world, they fell away. And after they had tasted of the fruit, they were ashamed because of those who were scoffing at them, and they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. And great was the multitude that did enter into the strange building. And after they did enter into that building, they did point the finger of scorn at me and those who, that were partaking of the fruit also. That was the test. And then Lehi said, but we heeded them not. And that was the answer. At your baptism and confirmation, you took hold of the iron rod but you are never safe. It is after you've partaken of that fruit that your test will come. Largely because of television, and let me just interject into Elder Packer's thing, quote here, not just television, but internet and other media influences. Instead of looking over into that spacious building, we are in effect living inside of it. That is your fate in this generation. You are living in that great and spacious building. Atheists and antagonists make non-belief their religion and today organized in unprecedented ways to attack faith and belief. They are now organized and they pursue political power. 
You will be hearing much about them and from them. Much of their attack is in direct mocking of the faithful, in mocking of religion. The types of Sherem, Nehor, and Korhor live among us today. Their arguments are not so different from those in the Book of Mormon. You who are young will see many things that will try your courage and test your faith. All of the mocking does not come from outside the church. Let me say that again. All of that mocking does not come from outside the church. Be careful that you do not fall into the category of mocking. And that's closing the quote from Elder Packer. So what's the great test of life? Think about why one group reached the tree, fell down, partook of the fruit, and the other group reached the tree, partook of the fruit, and then when they were mocked, they fell away and they threw the fruit down and left. So the challenge question for everyone except the kindergartners is, what is the great test of life? And kindergarten, what's the iron rod? Well, have a great week, everybody, and remember to always follow the Savior's admonition to come follow me.